0: It's 2015, and the world is such a simple place. Just not for the users of a small dating site called Ashley Madison. Back in 2015, a group of hackers calling themselves Impact Team posts a link to a torrent on the dark web, with 10 gigs worth of leaked data concerning 32 million users of the extramarital affairs site Ashley Madison. The data dump included the real-world names of users, their passwords, addresses, and phone numbers, nearly a decade's worth of credit card information and payment transaction details, and descriptions of what members were looking for on the affair site. This was a full-blown, nothing-left-on-the-table data breach of a dating site. The story immediately popped off. Reams of media coverage, internet vigilantes combing through the data for high-profile individuals to target in public humiliation campaigns, a dedicated search engine to peruse the leak. And most importantly, for the purposes of this story, the leak sparked a wave of sextortion scams around the world. Pay me a thousand bucks in Bitcoin, or I share this very sensitive information. Because if I have this, imagine what else I have. To be in that batch of leaked data was to be a bug hiding under a fridge. Suddenly, the fridge is gone, the lights are on, and you have nowhere to scurry. For some, you could shrug it off. For others, it was a manageable embarrassment. But for some, it was cataclysmic. Marriages ended, reputations bruised if not broken. It's hard to put an exact number, but I found at least five suicides linked to the leak. And then... The T Mobile hack happens in September. The Securus breach in November, another hack, another day, the world moves on. Until this last week, when my co host Scott got a message from a friend about a very strange email he got from some hackers that seemed to know a lot about him. This is the return of Ashley Madison Sextortion scams and zombie passwords on this Hacked Update.
1: So tell me about this email. Well, this email um, isn't unique. I get asked this sometimes weekly, sometimes quarterly, but constantly people... Who know me uh, ask me if this is a problem, and they pull out their phone, or they forward me an email, and it says, "Hi, you know, John. We know your password is blah, and we know this. We know lots about you, and you know we've bugged a porn site. We've got you know some malware on your computer. Whatever. There's always a different spin to the uh, manipulation in the email, but then they say, you know, pay us X Bitcoin or else." You know, or else, and you know whatever, whatever the threat is, the or else is followed by. I want to get to the password
0: part of that because sure. that seems like where the actual uh, meat of this is. But I did notice in researching these kind of emails that every single one, um, they put some sprinkles on top. They don't just say we have your password, we say we have your password and we have webcam footage of you on important site. sure and we have leaked photos and we have this other thing. Uh, why do you think a hacker is reaching out to someone who has this like this little kind of nugget of information would add in this additional lie?
1: I think it's like passive validation like the you've mm. they've validated that they know things about you by showing um, you your password. And then they just assume that if they can, you know, sync the hook, that you'll just believe whatever else they say.
0: Right. Someone makes a claim like, yo, I have like webcam footage of you on some website. You're probably not going to believe that. But if they proceed it with like, hey, here's your password. I know yeah. this. Suddenly all that stuff becomes like, I don't know,
1: passively validated. Well, the best thing is that everybody that forwards this to me, um, they all have the same thing. They say, this is this is actually a password. I used, used, it's an old password. I haven't used it in a year or two, but it was a password that I used forever and they know it. So, you know, should I take this seriously?
0: I get an email saying, Hey, here's your password. Um, imagine what else we know about you. And so if you don't want this getting out, send me some Bitcoin. What's actually happening there? Who are these people? How did they get this information? What's going on?
1: Yeah. So a lot of high profile um, data heists. I'll call them data heists because it sounds cool. Um, you know, if you go to haveibeenpwned.com, you can literally type in your email address and it'll tell you which of the major data heists you've been a part of. So PlayStation Network, Ashley Madison, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and what's happened is these you know, data heists lead to these big piles of data that get spilled out on the internet. And... Slowly and surely over time, you can run password crackers on the, on the user table, like we talked about in The Problem with Passwords. Um, and eventually you get people's really pa- like real passwords. It might take years to pull them out, but you have them, and you also have their contact details and their emails and stuff like that because that's all part of, kind of the user table. So really all this is is a bunch of people writing scripts to automate threats. Using you know data heist uh, data as the input for it. Hmm. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, I think so. I want to dwell on that a little bit because I know we've talked about it in previous episodes. The form these leaks take, but that user table that you mentioned—that's the product of one of these leaks. When these leaks happen, that's what gets out in the world.
1: Yeah. So, like a lot of websites, anything that you log into. I call it a user table just because it's often called users in the database, but essentially it's a database. All of these websites have databases behind them, and to log into a website, there needs to be data inside of that website to validate that your username and password are real. So that's often stored in you know the quote unquote users table. Which will have also your name and your email and anything else associated kind of with you as a user. So you know when you go in my account profile, edit profile, all of that detail, all of those fields are often in the user table. You
0: mentioned having to use a password like kind of cracker on that on that file. Is that supposed stuff supposed to be encrypted? Is it supposed to be plain text? Like I feel like there's there's what happened with Ashley Madison, which feels like both a failure of securing that table and a failure of the table as like a structural thing. Um, is that common? Is it typically just like yeah, here's all your stuff in a file, or is it typically supposed to be like locked down? Even if that file gets out, it's protected in some other way.
1: I wish I had a different answer for you, but no. Um, <laughs> the The passwords were encrypted even with Ashley Madison, but the the table itself should really never get public that's the whole point of the hack and the heist is to get that highly confidential piece of information or hmm. often it's just to get that piece of information also the like you know quote unquote credit cards table would be sweet to grab too if you were in the database and is often a prize target too but you get enough user accounts you get enough you know transactional data you could probably do a pretty pretty good chunk of damage anyway hmm.
0: so the person responsible for getting the information out of Ashley Madison the person who hacked that company that's almost certainly not the same people that are sending out these emails
1: no almost certainly not
0: so the people who
1: hacked Ashley Madison were probably highly skilled uh, hackers and the people who are generating these bitcoin scams are just scammers
0: hmm what, talk to me about those scammers. Like, what's their process here? Are they just going on somewhere on the dark web and finding this document?
1: Yeah, they would have downloaded the data repository when it came out. I remember it was super public. Like, there was, I think, am I or were you on AshleyMadison.com? Like, that website had spun up like hours later where you could like test your colleagues' emails and see who was on Ashley Madison. And it was like that data was very, very public. So they. Find these pieces of data. They download them and they try and figure out something that you know they can use to passively validate a threat. And that is the encrypted password. If you run enough kind of password cracking and decryption against it, eventually you're going to get a pretty big swath of passwords because most people don't have great ones, Um, and especially in today's kind of computing resources world, you know you could. You know, be pretty aggressive in a brute force password crack and probably get a lot, especially with that many accounts.
0: Great. Right. so inside that document, so many of the passwords are
1: something really easily guessable. Yeah, between. password to 2018, sure. exclamation point. <laughs> I don't know who signed up
0: for Ashley Madison in 2018, but...
1: <laughs> oh, whatever, 2013, <laughs> I don't remember when the heist was.
0: But it makes it easier for you to be able to reverse engineer um, the rest of the passwords inside of that document.
1: Yeah, and and um, yeah, it's not a it's not a complicated process. There's great tools for it, hmm. and uh, you know it'd be pretty easy, especially with some of the larger word lists that you can download. And we do talk about this and problems with passwords. Um, you can download these monster dictionaries of like lexicons of you know all these words and combinations and variations of them and quickly run those against uh, any kind of password list you have and often get a lot of wins Mm -hmm. so they probably did that as well so we've got the person who originally hacked ashley madison over here
0: we've got the people that are sending emails to your friends saying hey i've got your password imagine what else i have send me a bunch of bitcoin the people doing the decryption, the people turning that user table into actionable passwords associated with emails, thats is that someone in the middle of those two people? Is that the original hacker, or is that something that even the scammers can just be
1: doing Yeah, themselves? even the scammer. That's almost certainly being done by the scammer. It's really not that complicated. It's actually the saddest part, because... It's the most vulnerable part or one of the most vulnerable parts in that chain is that you can essentially decrypt a password by encrypting words and comparing them against the encrypted version. Right. So it, it's not two way encryption where they're not like actually unencrypting it, but they're just doing encrypt right. like they just encrypt words over and over until they get something that matches and then they know what the password is.
0: Right, you've got this giant ream of encrypted passwords and then you figure out what encryption tool it used, they used to generate it, and then you just start encrypting like the word password, the word password 2013, and whatever you get out of that, you just test that against your original table.
1: Yeah, if they're the same, the password that you encrypted to compare against it is their password.
2: All you want is to meet your security and compliance requirements, but your business technology keeps changing. Cyber threats emerge every day. More regulations apply to you now than ever before, and your IT resources remain limited. The Center for Internet Security can help. At CIS, we work to create a safer world for people, businesses, and governments through collaboration and innovation. Using a community-driven consensus process, we work with IT professionals and volunteers around the world to develop and maintain security best practices. These resources save you time, money, and effort wherever you are on your cybersecurity journey. We also work with US state, local, tribal, and territorial government organizations to share information with one another so they're stronger together. Join us today in creating confidence in the connected world. Visit cisecurity.org to play your part. All you want is to meet your security and compliance requirements, but your business technology keeps changing. Cyber threats emerge every day. More regulations apply to you now than ever before, and your IT resources remain limited the Center for Internet Security can help. At CIS, we work to create a safer world for people, businesses, and governments through collaboration and innovation. Using a community-driven consensus process, we work with IT professionals and volunteers around the world to develop and maintain security best practices. These resources save you time, money, and effort wherever you are on your cybersecurity journey. We also work with U.S. state, local, tribal, and territorial government organizations to share information with one another so they're stronger together. Join us today in creating confidence in the connected world. Visit cisecurity.org to play your part.
0: I feel like I know the answer to this. What do you do when you get one of these emails? It pops up. I know all this seedy stuff about you know how I know all that stuff. I have your your password. What should you do with that email when you get it?
1: Uh, hit the delete key.
0: <laughs> Does it tell you that maybe you should think about any other accounts that might have used that password and go change them?
1: Yeah, 100%. If you're still using that password, like if your heart literally skips a beat because it's not your old password, but your current password, then you might be dealing with something differently or something different, a different threat. Or you just haven't changed your password in forever. And if it's the latter, then you should probably go do that. Yeah.
0: That leak was four or five years ago at this point. Why do you think that information is coming back again right now? Because there was a revival of it in 2018. There's been a, a surge of it now in the last couple months. Why do you think people keep going back to those old old pools of passwords? Is it just because people have forgotten about that original story and it might be relevant again? Like, can Give me a little
1: glimpse into the mind of the people running these scams. It's probably just, you know, them looking for new avenues to kind of brute force against. These people are looking to run, you know, quantity over quality scams, and they want to run as many as they humanly can. So they're looking for any avenue to get any kind of leverage to cause people to think that they're in threat and crisis. Like my phone rings four times a week threatening me with the IRS, you know. And it's all scammers, and, you know, it tricks some people. It doesn't trick me, but it tricks lots of people. And the reason why they keep doing it is because it works. Hey, everyone. This is two-ish months of news updates. Uh, Not sure if you guys love them, hate them. Uh, We've heard some positive stuff. We haven't heard a ton of negative stuff. Love to know how you guys feel. Hit us up on Twitter, at Hack Podcast. If you're a patron, hit us up on Patreon.
0: We're thinking about doing less kind of weekly update mini episodes and focusing on putting more time, more production value, more like structured storytelling into the big once a month episode. Sort of see what that sounds like. Maybe an occasional news update here and there, but really focusing on those as an experiment for a couple months. Hit us up if that sounds like what you'd like out of hack moving forward. And thank you for listening as we crack, you know, exactly what the show wants to be.